Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Starting with last night, 
um, after our show, Miami, the University of Miami, uh, finally showed a little weakness and fell to Wake Forest last Saturday. Um, we had Florida and down to Tennessee on Tuesday. We had Indiana at number one dropping to Minnesota on Tuesday. We had Michigan losing to Penn State, Penn State's first Big Ten victory of the season on Wednesday. Um, we had uh, our, our Dukies losing over, well, my Dukies losing to uh, Virginia on Thursday night. So, well, and that's just college. I mean, right, the uh, big week in the NBA, too. Steph Curry's uh, Madison, Madison Square Garden performance on Wednesday um, so, uh, you know, let's, let's open it up for discussion. I guess I want to, I want to ask, uh, each of you what, what stood out the most to you, um, in this past week of, of hoops. Lawrence, you, you can go first. All right. Um, I think the, one of the more significant things, well, the, all the events in college basketball were pretty big this week. I mean, talked about, uh, Indiana going down, talked about our Blue Devils going down, um, I think, I think that, that I, I think, I think it's, it's quite a story that, that Duke lost because it's just going to set us up for a, a pretty big win and uh, playing against Miami at home tonight. <laughs> Indeed. What's up? Indeed. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes, yes. And um, I mean, we, do, we don't lose Cameron, so I mean, I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried. I, I think Indiana's lost big. I, I mean, it shows that it shows that they have a few weaknesses. I think that. Um, their perimeter defense needs a lot. Needs some help. Needs some help. I mean, they they didn't look particularly strong. The one kid from Minnesota just they had no answer for him. I, I can't recall his name, but they had no answer for him at that. Yeah, so those are those are the most significant things I think that happened this week in college basketball. What about you, Jay? What stood out to you this week in, in hoops? Um, college basketball this week uh, just kind of. Show what I've been thinking about all season that this year is going to be the most unpredictable tournament that we've seen in some time. Um, there's no dominant teams out there. There's no surefire teams. And um, I'll give you guys a warning. Don't be upset about your bracket if it's terrible after the first rack of games. Um, it's just, that's just being realistic because – the parity of college basketball this year is something unlike we've ever seen. Um, an interesting stat is that 19 there's been 19 games this year where top five ranked teams have lost to unranked opponents. So it's not like the top 25 teams are beating up on each other. It's You have to look at possibly the top 40 to 50 teams in the country this year and say, Wow, maybe wow. everyone has a chance to get to the final four, which is just a nightmare if you wanna win your your tournament bracket because it's gonna be so unpredictable and um it, it makes for very, very good basketball. So I'm uh I'm I'm not looking forward to filling out my bracket for the first time in a long time. Um but it will I think we're getting a little preview of what March Madness is going to be like, and it'll be, it'll definitely be madness. It, 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 it's, it's going to be a fun time. Um, uh, the kid's name is Harris, by the way. I know you didn't remember his name because he had 36 against Duke the other night, but 
Um, all of a sudden, I was talking about the kid from Minnesota. I was talking about the kid from Minnesota. He wants to bring up. Oh, okay. He wants to bring up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My bad. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thirty-six points. Yeah. You love that. That was that. That that is crazy though. In fact, four of those nineteen games were top five moves to unranked were in the last week. Yeah. You had you had Duke losing to Virginia. You had Michigan Penn State over Michigan on Wednesday. You had the Minnesota Indiana, and you had Wake Miami last Saturday. So uh, it, it's like you know, like you said, that that is crazy. Um, yeah. What stood out to you this week? I want to say two things actually before I get into what's going on this week. I want to say shout out to all the fans who are listening to time there. Appreciate y'all. Um, second thing I want to say is um, why is y'all so stuck on Duke? <laughs> <laughs> I see my co-host here, Martin and Abigail. I feel like y'all about to be in the rule of the tonight. We're going to see. We're going to see about that on what events we do. Um, what's going on here is that. Um, Like I said, I, I, I feel, feel like we get overlooked the fact that when we play at Cameron, we don't go 
and, 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 and it's almost plain and simple. I mean, we we have taken we we certainly taken some losses at home, but for the most part, our track record at home for itself. I mean, it's just a, it's almost a whole different team. We are still without Ryan Riley, who should be back very soon. But at the same time, we played big, great basketball without him. We played uh, we, when Cook stepped up, very stepped up. I, I honestly think that Duke is not only a one seed, but a very possible contender for the national championship. And I, I think that any any analyst that, that, that actually watches college basketball has to agree because he has that that championship teams have. We have a solid big man on the inside. We have shooters on the perimeter that can knock down open shots. We have a point guard that controls the pace. Quinn Cook has been a godsend this year. Last year I was I was so low on Quinn Cook, but this year, I mean he's he's been great. He's been great. It, it, it's been awesome to see. But enough no, about Duke. We're, we're not going to make this a big well, show. Well, I mean, let's talk about one piece, though. I mean, so, uh, Jay, do you, um, I don't know if you, I, I don't know if you have it up, but if you saw, what are, what are Joe Minardi's number one seeds right now? And I get, you can start by telling us what you think you're the number one seed should be. Give us yours first. Um, okay, my one seeds right now are, are and, I'm, and they'll probably match up with Joe Minardi's, are Indiana, um, Gonzaga, Miami and Kansas. Um, people, don't let these guys jade you. Duke is not a one seed. They've proven over and over again that they're not a one seed. Um, I won't, I won't, I won't expound upon that. But uh, yeah, I would say Kansas is playing very good basketball in a tough conference. Um, Gonzaga is probably the shakiest one seed for me. I just don't think they play. The type of schedule that equips them to come into the NCAA tournament and get to a Final Four, which is what the teams are kind of expected to do. Um, Indiana will be there when the smoke clears, and uh, Miami. I, I love a, I love a team with senior leadership and guys who have been through it all and seen it all. And Miami certainly is the one team in the country that has that. That exact thing. Senior leadership, um, older guys, very good players, might I add. Um, and uh, I, I, I think they're equipped to make a Final Four run. Um, but if Duke beats Miami tonight, would you replace them? Would you swap them out in terms of one? No, no. I think it makes it a big game, though. I think I think Georgetown, Michigan State. Not, not Duke. Duke has not played one seed that bad, and and I and I give them the benefit of the doubt because the, without Ron Kelly, offensively they have struggled, and I think defensively as well, which I would have never thought he would have been the one that would that would be the guy that helps him out defensively, but his length does bother people. So without Ron Kelly, healthy and playing well and incorporating back into the team. Um, I, I don't think Duke. I think Duke is the third two seed. I think. I think. I think it is fair. I mean, you look at um, you look at what Duke's been able to do without Ryan Kelly. I mean. I, I would have to, I mean, even as a Duke fan, I mean, I have to agree to, to say that Duke is playing number one C basketball, as you put it. Um, that that is that is questionable. Um, 
and it and it it does worry me. Um, it, you know, the loss at Maryland earlier in February. Um, you know, uh, and and you know we haven't we haven't really played enough games against top ranked opponents to really know how good we actually are without Ryan Kelly. I mean, tonight the tonight's Miami game is our only game against a top ten team um, since we've lost him. So. And the last time we played against, well, a top 20 team, I should, we lost to Miami in January. We, You know, that was a blowout. And then we lost to North Carolina State earlier in January. Um, they were ranked 20th in the country at that point. So uh, I think it makes it definitely makes tonight's game a big test for Duke. And um, I, I, I would have to, I honestly think, because I, I think I would put uh, Miami as a one seed right now for me too. But I do think that there is, room for Duke to make a case for themselves. I think if they if they can pull out a win tonight and they win out, they, they go to uh they win against Virginia Tech and they get a big win at Chapel Hill next week, um I, I think they can still make a case for themselves as a as a solidified number one seed. Um uh it, it's 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 a tough discussion, like Jay said. Um you've got teams um that are going in and out kind of of the of the elite college uh basketball atmosphere and yeah, it's it's tough to pick your one seed. So Jay, did you get did you get what are Lunardi's number one seed one more time? I don't, I don't think I got that. Well, Lunardi's number one seed is in right now: Indiana, Gonzaga, Kansas, and Miami. His um, two seeds are Duke as the first two seed, Louisville, Georgetown, and Michigan State. And Michigan State, and and those teams are battle tested for 
sure playing in that conference this year. So I would, I would, if I see a big team on my bracket, um, I'm gonna have them at least win this one game if the matchup looks right. So uh, definitely, definitely watch the big tournament this year to give yourself a better, better idea of the Ohio State and the Wisconsin and Michigan. These teams that can make Sweet 16 possibly a leading run under the radar. Um, so yeah, there's a tip for you. Absolutely. Um, okay, we're gonna um, we're gonna switch gears to to some NBA talk now. Um, and obviously, the well, about let, let's talk about the, the big performance from this week from from our guy Steph Curry. Um, Fifty four points at New York on Wednesday night. Um, Eleven. I mean, I. I can't remember the field goal uh, uh, numbers, but I, I, 11 out of 13 from three sticks out uh, for sure. That's something that you just don't forget. Um, you know, I was talking to Tommy uh, earlier this week, and, you know, he, he texted me on Thursday, the day after the game, and, and, you know, we were just talking about it. And I was looking on ESPN, and I saw they had up the uh, the top point totals by a player at Madison Square Garden. And, you know, Mike's, Mike's 55 uh, against the Knicks in 87, I think it was, and, and Kobe 61 from a couple years ago. And, and LeBron, when he was on Cleveland, I think he had 55 as well. So I had to ask Tommy if, uh, what he thought was the best Madison Square Garden performance, um, probably those four being being uh, the four that you would pick from. Um, and and I, I think, Tommy, why don't you go ahead and take the floor and give us your answer? Because I, I think it's a legitimate question when you think about those four performances, um, if you remember them. Uh, definitely. I mean, this last game, the second period performance was definitely special. But what really, really got my nerves on at the end of the game, Jared tried to play a hero. All of a sudden, you played, you played 30 minutes, 35 minutes. You played three minutes, no shot, the whole game. And you trying to play a hero at the end of the game. I wouldn't have won the ball on Thursday. That's how the game should have ended. So, with his performance, I don't think you can put it above LeBron, above uh, what Jordan did, or above what Kobe did, because of the fact that they lost ultimately. You know, they lost that game. You can't you can't just gloss over the fact that that fact right there. But the best performance, I actually think I said um I said Kobe at the beginning of the week, but I thought about it. It's definitely MJ. Like he came back with the four or five. You know, that's what I, I come back like Jordan, wearing the four or five. That's where I came from. Like, he came on and put a performance. He he was in retirement playing baseball. And his, his impact on coming back to the game just brought a whole life back to the game. It was like MJ is back, man. That that was the best performance. Hands down. Thanks, Art. Jay, what do you think? you agree with Tommy? Uh, I, I, I I agree with I definitely agree with Tommy. Um the fact that they lost the game is is enough to put a uh, a tremendous performance by Steph Curry still at the bottom of that list. Um personally I probably would have put Kobe's sixty one point game um up there. But the one thing about that game that really scares me that I that I took from it is how bad the Knicks perimeter defense is. And and J.R. Smith Raymond Felton, these guys are bad defenders. As good as as good as on ball players they are, they are bad on ball defenders. 
and, 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 and Stephen Curry essentially did what he wanted to do. I mean, he shot he shot 18 for 28 um, from the floor, shot 60 percent, and he shot any any and he shot 11 for 13 from three. And no one else on their team was really a threat all game long. It was just Stephen Curry. They scored 105 points, and he had 54 of them, and they had no answers for it. So that, that, the Knicks, I think, are the, might be the story of this whole thing because if they're, if they're supposedly a, a, a East contender and Stephen Curry essentially did whatever he wanted to do, it's going to be trouble, trouble for them when they have to see a, a Miami or even an Indiana who have strong perimeter players who can really score the basketball. And, and, and it showed a glaring weakness in the Knicks not being able to guard one or twos. And it's going to be really – it's going to be troublesome for the Knicks coming down the stretch. Um, well, it's a strong point because, right, Stephen Curry comes back and you play in Boston last night, he scores 29, yeah. shot, 29 points on 28 shots because Avery Bradley and, and Courtney Lee are, are just all in all him. I mean, they're, you know, they're all over him. And obviously, they're, you know, they're, they're focusing on him after that game on Wednesday night. But at the same time, it, like you said, it, it speaks to um, a lack of – a lack of a concerted effort um, to guard on the perimeter by the New York Knicks. And, one, and another pretty funny stat that they actually showed during the game was Carmelo goes 10 for 26. He has 35 points. And Steph goes 18 for 28. He has two more shots and goes for 54. And, 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 and I know, I know he, 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 he hit a lot more threes than, than, than Carmelo did, but is Carmelo the reason why some of these other guys on the Knicks are not engaged defensively? And and is the offensive troubles that they're going through with not being able to move the ball and get everyone involved affecting them on the defensive end of the floor? And I think I think that could be it. And and Raymond Felton's out of shape. He hurt his hand, and he and he he. It's, I think it's pretty obvious that he didn't work himself back into the shape that he needed to be in to be able to guard NBA ones and twos. And and Stephen Curry just exposed them. He he flat out exposed them the other night. And um, Knicks pulled off the win. Um, good win for them, I guess. But they they have some troubles, man. They have some troubles. But Stephen Curry, tremendous performance the other night. It was it was. It was noteworthy for sure. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, it, it, it's worth noting, you know, with them being without David Lee. Um, clearly, he was he was trying to be extra aggressive, and um, you know, with them and if they're making the playoffs, but with them, you know, maybe trying to get a get a better uh, seating in the playoffs, trying to get some maybe some home court advantage. Um, these games right now in this stretch are important for them, so. You saw that um, you saw that sense of urgency in the way that in the way that Steph Curry played. I I think I would um, I, I think I think I would uh, I think I would agree. Um, you know, I think it I think it's worth looking at the teams that these guys played against. Talking about the the Madison Square Garden uh, performances, uh, clearly in terms of a defensive team, uh, Mike played against the the best defensive Knicks team that we'll probably ever see. Um, and as Tommy alluded to, you know, it was the, it was the 45 days. He had just come back. 
Um, I, I remember. I think that was his second game back, if I remember correctly, because the first game I think he didn't he didn't play that well, and then the critics were pouring on him, and he comes into Madison Square Garden and drops fifty five. Um, so I, you know, and Kobe's I mean, Kobe sticks out, but again, um, that team was the, that was the Gallinari and Wilson Chandler Knicks. They were. Yeah, they, they they weren't uh they were kind of in transition. It was it was the best defensive Knicks team. Um but uh, not to take anything away. I think the way I think the way Kobe, well I, I think I think the way Kobe uh got his 61 was 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 probably I mean it was definitely the most spread out in terms of how he scored his points. Um I I think Steph was probably a little more uh how shall I put it? A little more showman. I mean, even when Kobe's in the building, you kind of know what to expect. When Steph went off the other night, uh, at least from what I've read, I mean, most people in the garden didn't even recognize that he was capable or something like that. I mean, everybody knows what he did in March Madness when he was in, when he was at Davidson. But uh, from what I've read, everyone said there was a buzz in the garden at this like, wait. How, you know, where is it coming from? We, we've never seen a Steph Curry. I mean, we're used to LeBron coming in and Kobe coming in and doing this to us, but this is Steph Curry. I mean, like I said, we know what we know what he can do, but um, you know, for people in the garden that day, they were, they were clearly they were clearly and all. I feel like I saw a stat that um, for three straight games he recorded a new career. It was, it was a three straight game, game leading up to New York, York where he, he had a new game career high. I feel like the game before he had 38, which was his third yeah. uh, career high before he scored yeah. 54. Just to, just to make a note on how um, I love this up about the most prolific scoring performances in the Madison Square Garden. In 1961, Elgin Baylor had 71.25 25 goals. <laughs> just absolute ridiculousness. And then it says that the number one would probably be Will. 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 Well, it's like it, it's crazy, right? Because uh, you know when you talk about, uh, and, and I think when, when I watched Sports Center the other day, I'm pretty sure those, if there must have been some kind of time limit on all oh, yeah. that performance, oh, yeah. it probably started out in the '80s when Jordan played, and then on. Yeah. Um, but it, but it, like you said, those numbers are important to know for people who don't know the numbers that Elgin Baylor exactly. and Will Chamberlain used to put up. Uh, uh, so I mean, and it also speaks to the significance of Steph Curry's night because it's like we we have to look at those guys, we have to look at the Wilts and the Elgins to like put it in comparison. Like wow, this dude really torched the Garden. Like he has to be compared to the other legends that have come through and really let the Garden up. So sure, sure, absolutely. Um, so sticking, you know, sticking with it. I just wanted to touch on something that Jay said earlier about how they. How the Knicks are not uh, defending or the same way that season. Um, I agree with everything you're saying, and the fact that I think it's because I watch a lot of Knicks games, and when the, the dynamic between Amari and Melo, that's still up in up in the air because they don't really have, defensively for some reason it just does not work out. Their best lineup was when Melo was playing the four the four position and they were moving the ball. 
Novak uh, was getting threes. Uh, Kate was getting threes. Mello was scoring. He was still scoring the same way he's scoring now, but he was scoring about 15 shots a game. Efficiency. Like, that's his volume of shots now is different because the dynamic is just it's just a little off. Shumper coming back, too. They don't really – just something's a little off. So they're, really, they're not playing defense. But um, And on the other side, you got to get uh, Mark Jackson some, some serious head coaching of the year considerations just for having his team in a position to to come out there and perform. Because you look at their roster, like like Jay was saying, they got Stephen Curry, and who else do they really have? David Lee was – David Lee – my personal opinion of David Lee, I think he's a great sixth man on a good team. I'm not taking nothing away from his game. He's a double-double machine. But he's a great sixth man on a good team. You don't team. think he deserves to be an all-star? He deserves to be an all-star. Six men six have been an all-star before. That's true. That's true. He's just – I'm just saying not to their team. Who Look at their roster from top to bottom. They, they're a five seed, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. What are they, six? They're top, they're in the top 16 out west. Like, and the Lakers are sitting back at 10. I never I never would have thought that would happen. So you got to get Mark Jackson in like consideration. I just want to touch on that real quick. They've got the sixth seed right now, uh, Golden State. Um, they've, got the, they've got the sixth seed. And, and like I said, you know, with um, – with the way they're they're playing basketball right now, it's clear they're you know they're trying to get themselves into a into a better position so maybe get some home court advantage. I mean they're they're one game behind or sorry they're they're three and they're four and a half games behind Denver, uh, which I mean it, it, which will be tough for them to make up. But uh, you know if they if, if they can you know they they go on a nice little stretch here. I, I know there's only so many games left, but uh, well the what I I nobody. I've 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 been adamant about my respect for the Western Conference over the Eastern Conference. I think the Eastern Conference is, is top heavy and it's and it's just and it's it's not so I feel like it's a little bit of 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 a little yeah, you respect Indiana, but but I mean, you respect Miami. You, you. I mean, it's a matter of opinion if you respect New York or not. And you know, you respect Indiana for what no one Well, I mean, you don't have to. I, mean, I respect New York, but uh, given how, like you just were talking about, you know, since Shumpert already came back, there's a question. So, so you know, they're up in the air. That's what I'm saying. There, there are teams in the West that if you like, say, you put the five seed in the West, you put the Denver against Chicago. Probably a good series, but, but or rather that would be Brooklyn against against Denver. You know, I, I just top to bottom, I feel like the West is more scary. Like we like we said before, if the Lakers, like you said before, if the Lakers are an eight seed, like you said before, no one wants to see them. There are plenty of teams in the East that want to see Milwaukee, Philadelphia, Boston. You know what I mean? Like it, it's the the West is is way more spread out, it's way more scary. Memphis, um, you know, 
I want to I want to touch and you know I I let Jay start on this first. Um, it's, it's you know looking at the the, the playoff scope right now. Um, you know those those bottom half teams in the East are kind of uh, are still kind of up in the air. I mean you've got uh, you've got Philadelphia. Uh, well, actually, you know Philly's six game behind Milwaukee. They're probably not getting in, and uh, Milwaukee's at the eight seed right now. Um, only two games behind Boston, who's two games behind Chicago, who's a half game behind Brooklyn, and Brooklyn and Atlanta are actually tied right now at the same spot. So, I mean, after after Indiana, um, it's kind of shaky in the East. So, I, I guess you know I'll let Jay touch on it first. Um, who I guess the larger question here: Who really who poses the bit, the best threat for Miami right now in the East, realistically? Realistically, the only team is Indiana, and that's just because they seem to have Miami number over the past two seasons. But even 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 so, just because they beat them in the regular season a few times and gave them a good series last year, I don't think, I don't think anybody in the East are even close. Like I I thought New York would be close, but they're not close. So, Yeah, man. We gotta look at Miami and realize how special this team is because 
when this team was first assembled, we expected that, well, I think the majority of us expected them to come together how they are right now when they first came together. We saw them lose, we were kind of like, um, in the matter of time, maybe we got some chinks in their armor. They don't really got it. We want to find a bad season.
I think has the best chance of actually stacking up and beating Miami because they've got the inside presence, they've got the star power, and 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 let's not forget, I mean, this team was built to beat Miami. I mean, acquiring Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler, who were on that Dallas Mavericks team, was not a coincidence. I mean, they were brought to New York for a reason. So I, I, I'm all that mindset. They haven't played as well with Amari and Shumpert back in, which is why they talked about possibly trading Shumpert during the trade deadline. But I, I feel that, you know, in these next couple of weeks, they, they figure it out. They, they've got the better shot. And if it's not New York, it's nobody. And, uh, you know, if I'm going out west uh, – you know, I I don't want to I don't I'll just stop it there because we're talking about Miami in the East, but uh, um, yeah. So we so we got a few callers um on the line now. Uh, before we go to a commercial, we want to get to a couple callers um so we can so we can get their comments in. Uh, this is uh, my second uh, collective show that I've been able to uh, listen to, and I was just wanted to fuel discussion. I wanted to throw out a few extra points there. Uh, when talking about like individual performances in the NBA, I think one overlooked was uh, by my least favorite player. I think Joe Kimmel put up a gaudy triple double this week, and I think that uh, maybe uh, with the with the Derrick Rose coming back, maybe healthy for the playoffs, maybe the Bulls can pose some sort of a threat to Miami. But it all relies uh, basically on the point guard play from from the from the view there. I, I think that that's a very valid point. I mean, you, you see the way the Bulls have been playing. I mean, right now they are, what, fifth or sixth in the, in the East right now? They're only half game back, as you said, from Brooklyn and Atlanta. I mean, they play – the reason why they're where they are right now is because of their defense. I mean, we all know that they, they play fantastic defense. Tibbs have them. I mean, Tom Thibodeau is the defensive-minded coach. He always has been, and he's he's been one of the best. And I think that the Bulls definitely are someone that you have to talk about. I mean, can they beat the Heat in a seven-game series? Probably not. But can they give them can they give them a few good games? Absolutely. I think their size and size can really mess with the Heat. I mean, one of the weaknesses is the fact that they don't have the size and size that typical championship teams have. You look at, like, um, um, Dallas a few years ago with Brendan Haywood and Dirk where they got two seven-footers inside and, Lakers, the Lakers, Shaq, Powell, you look at these teams with a lot of odds. I think that Joe Noah, Todd Gibson, and Carlo Loser, what their front court offers is really scary for a team that has a relatively weak big man. Uh, it was relatively weak at the big man. Great passing big men, too. Oh, I don't have Joe Noah. He's one of the best passing big men. He has to be considered for defensive player of the year, in my opinion. He has to be. He's got guys on the perimeter. I mean, he switches on pick and rolls and can contain guys on the perimeter. All right, we're going to bring in – I think we're going to bring in another caller now. We've got um, Jesse Mastin out of Philly. What's up, Jesse? What's up? What's up, Jesse? Yeah, what's up, y'all? How y'all doing? You know what I'm saying? Doing well, man. Doing well. It's good, man. I just wanted to make a couple comments. Uh, y'all was talking about the Heat earlier. So I just want to let you know that nobody in the NBA can beat the Heat. <laughs> nobody. We got an avid Heat fan here on our hands, obviously. Y'all was talking about the top three teams in the West. Y'all said the Clippers. I don't think so. Y'all said OKC. I don't think so. We already got we already got a dub on them already. And then you talking about San Antonio. Or have we talked about how Tony Parker is injured? 
He, he did go down like he did. I, I was gonna I was gonna note that he did go down. That's, and it that didn't look good either. Huge. It didn't. It didn't. No, it didn't it didn't for a while. Yeah. yeah. He could be. So I'm just you know, I'm just I'm just letting know and reedifying and re and restating the fact that the heat put in work. I, I, I understand that. We, we, we all, and I don't think that's an argument whether the heater is a basketball team. We're saying, we're saying uh, what teams could possibly be the And I mean, I, I was a little bit more but I feel like, like uh, it, we, we all want to see New York. Like, yeah, as, as New York was put together piece by piece, we were just like, yeah. I, I feel like, like as every player, new player came in, we were just like, yeah, they're getting like that much closer to the heat. They're getting that much closer. I think that, I think that Jumper is, is, is bigger than a lot of people give him credit for. I think he has to. He has to play his butt off, man. He, 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 is, he, is, he is one of the best defenders, I think, in the league in terms of a perimeter defender. I mean, he hey, certainly hey, could. Last year, he went down, too. He went down in game two last year against Miami, and that, you can't say that that's not, that wasn't a factor. Okay, we, we, I think we just had an update on the um, – Oh, absolutely. Thanks for calling on So, Tony Parker, um, on Jesse's point, he's expected to miss four weeks um, – uh, with his with his ankle injury, he's out for four weeks. So that's going to be going right into the postseason. Uh, that could easily have an impact on on the first successive postseason. So we're we're going to another caller right now. Um, uh, okay, uh, we're not going to another caller. We're going to go to the commercial. This is the collective. Yeah. Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com.
All right, we're back. We're back with the collective. Uh, once again, we want to shout out our callers. We want to shout out our listeners. We want to shout out Blog Talk Radio. We want to shout out The Keys 107 um, for sponsoring the collective. We just wrapped up our, our basketball segment, um, which I forgot to mention before, is highlighted on and expanded on the blog, uh, basketballfeed.blogspot.com. Um, you can find the links to our blogs on our episode description on the website. So, gentlemen, we're going to segue into our music segment now. Um, now I want to I want to start off by uh, starting just a little, you know, a little kind of a tradition that I think we should start up now. We're going to um, look up some of the kind of some of the latest news in music in the last few days and this week, and um, I want to get some quick hit reactions from you guys. So we're going to um, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to you know, talk about or just kind of name the the, the news uh, for the week, a topic, and I want to get like a quick 90-second reaction from each of you guys real quick. Um, so first off, uh, I want to start with Meek Mill. He just released his track list for uh, the Dream Chasers, Dream, Ch- Dream Chasers 3 um, installment, um, the third installment for, for the Dream Chasers mixtape. Uh, Tommy, let's go to you first. What's your what's your reaction? You looking forward to it? You looking forward to this? Yeah, I'm looking forward to whatever Meek puts out. I feel like Meek is Meek is just a genuine rapper. Like Meek comes from from whatever he 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 came from in his life. He just he just real with it. Um, I, I actually watched a video on World Star. I think it was I think Sway was a DJ. He was rapping with a young dude named Young Luke. And um, Meek, you know how some rappers come out and they're like, yeah yeah, I I, got, I can't say X Y Z because that's about to be on the mixtape. I mean, I really appreciate the fact that Meek was on there just really just spitting because a lot of rappers wouldn't do that because they, they got they got money, they got prices for what they got to say. But I feel like Meek is just a genuine rapper, and I'm, I'm, I look forward to whatever he, he, he um, he's going to put out, to be honest. All right, Dave, what do you think? I'm definitely looking forward to another Meek Mill mixtape. Uh, I would have put him in the mixed rap rap category, but that's where he shines, and 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 that's where he really puts out his more true to heart like music, like that's that's his niche, and uh, I think I think it's gonna be good. You know, is it gonna be a Dream Chasers one or two? That yet, obviously, we don't know that. Um, it's very hard in a mixtape series to continue to get better. Um, you know, Lil Wayne put out like six droughts <laughs> and, and none of them were really better than, than two or three. Yeah, they died so, out. Um, um, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping, hoping that, that hopefully this is the peak of the Dream Chaser series and not and the, the regression the, of the Dream Chasers series. So, um, so I'm looking forward to what I saw some of the, the, the features of the track list. A couple, couple people, people I haven't, I haven't seen before, so I'm looking forward to hearing. I think those are his artists. Yeah. 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 So, so it'll, it'll be, be good to hear that. that. I mean, he, 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 he shows he those things. That's, 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 that's what he does. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, definitely looking forward to it. It should be, yeah. it should be very good. Oh, your reaction? See, the thing with Meek is, he's a, he's a very good rapper. And, I mean, we, we, we can all say that pretty confidently. Like, we know that Meek Mill can really, really rap. But um, 
I, I, I feel like I, 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 I had an issue with him in terms of his his actual song making and and his originality and his his versatility is just kind of out there. I mean, a lot of a lot of the work wasn't. I wasn't, I wasn't impressed by Dream Chasers, too. I'm going to be honest. I, I listened to all of it. I mean, Dream Chasers one was really good. I, I think it was a really good, really good mixtape. But I think that both Dream Chasers 2 and then the uh, album I put out, The Rings of Nightmare, it just, it didn't get me. It didn't get me. I mean, I I, I am looking forward to Dream Chasers Three in the hopes that there's going to be some evolution that comes up. I, I want to see Meek kind of get into more things than just like the party raps or like the just, I don't know, man. I, I like Meek a lot. I, I really do think he raps. I, I mean, we, we talked about Meek and, and Ross yesterday and, and just sitting in the basement and we were talking about how um, how we think that Ross may be a better lyricist than Meek, but Meek just in terms of rapping skill is better. And I, I think that that translates to, to his music, but at the same time he has to be able to make he has to be able to make music that's going to separate himself. And I don't, I don't think he's done that yet necessarily, and I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will. But I, I look forward to Dream Chasers 3 with a kind of pessimism. Like, I, I kind of feel like I know what I'm going to get. I hope, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. That, that's, kind of, that's kind of my mindset, too. It's almost like you, you know, pretty much know what to expect when it, when it comes to Meek Mill and, and like, to Jay's point. The, um, the the Dream Chaser series, um, uh, you know, it, it, the, the first one was so hot. And, uh, you know, the second one, I, I mean, I, I didn't think it, it, it didn't stray away. It didn't really separate it, like you said, in terms of separation. Um, you know, it's kind of, it's, you know, it's kind of, but it, it, there is something to be said about him being consistent, putting out consistent bangers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we know, we know what he can do and, and I guess to a fault, we almost know what he's going to do. Yeah. So, yeah. um, like you said, uh, it's, it's, you know, that's, that's kind of the, I guess the pessimism there. Um, so I'm going to stick with Elle for the next topic. Um, apparently 50 Cent this week, um, says that the original G unit, could reunite now. Obviously, this, this has been a rumor for some time now, mainly yeah. because mainly because the game has been pushing it so hard because he wants it to happen for reasons that should be obvious. But uh, your your reaction to that, the fifty comment? I mean, I, I it, 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 it is about making some money, and I think that uh, Gene and getting back together should definitely be a profitable thing. I mean, we know Fifty Cent. We know we know he's a businessman first. Like Fifty is about his money, just as much as anybody else in the industry is. And I do think it's a good move. I think it's cool. I mean, what what unit was is circa two thousand three to like two thousand five six was the the top. They were the top. They were they were the and um, I, th- I think it would be cool to see them back together. I mean, I don't think necessarily they're going to get back together and make uh, another profound album. I mean, 50 Cent's not going to make another Get Rich or Die Crying. It's not going to be another Hunger for More that is as good as the first one. Or um, what was the collective album they did? Beg for Mercy. There's not going to be another Beg for Mercy. But I, I, I do think it's, I think it's cool, but I think it's just like it's, it's for them to make a few bucks. And I mean, if they're gonna do some shows, I think I think it, it would be cool to see all the members of G back on stage together. But I don't think it's necessarily all that significant. Okay, Jay, your reaction? 
They need to chill. <laughs> I, I don't see. I don't think there's any point at all. I, I like, like hip hop has evolved, and the big jeans, nutty outfits, fitted cap dudes are like that. That stuff is over. That wave that Fifty was riding, that that wave was over, and it's just. It's 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 I I I honestly think it's pointless. Like you were, so you're gonna bring Young Buck who's who's irrelevant, Fifty Cent who's money is a Young Buck in there that keeps him irrelevant. Yayo who should and will always be irrelevant. Lloyd Banks who's the actual besides Fifty the actual like decent one in the group. The game actually had a decent album, but like I, I think I think they've all progressed on their own and doing different things and I think they should just stay that way. This is not Wu Tang. This is not this is not any of the actual major groups that have affected hip hop over the past fifteen years significantly enough that they should be who who's gonna gonna go 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 like you've got the his, his solo streaking album that he that he's been working on that's coming out. Let's just, real quick, let's go to I wanna get Tommy's reaction real quick. Well our reaction is really they gonna come out and make an album. Just come out and make that feel good music, you know, like Come on, make that. I take you to the candy shop. Like, just make stuff like that. That's all I would want to hear from them because the only the only people that can rap in their whole clique is Lloyd Banks. He can rap. Lloyd Banks can rap. But um, uh, yeah, yeah, he was alright. But you know, other than that, if they coming back. <laughs> yeah, he had some hits, man. He had the, the I don't love. Um, the, had not a hit, Tom. <laughs> Yo, come on, you ain't hear that? The, um, I don't love, I'm chasing the music. Oh, no, yeah, 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 I mean, it, it, unless they're coming out and just making that feel-good music, what's the point? Like what Jay said, I don't want to hear nothing that they're rapping about. Nah. <laughs> what's 50? What, what are they talking about? They don't say nothing in the music. I mean, you do have to check that. Um, you just put out with Kendrick actually, though. That's um, yeah, yeah, Kendrick, Kendrick, Kendrick. I'm pretty sure that's gonna be on fifty. I'm pretty sure that's gonna be on fifty's album as well. Um, yeah, I, I think, uh, I, I, I definitely see where Jay is coming from. I, I guess for me, the mindset is I think the best thing for them would just be to do one big show, do like old songs. Bring the game out, you know. Just do do the songs that were successful. I think if they promote a show as if, yeah, you know, as, as you know, they're they're performing the the older songs that people can go to and appreciate and enjoy. I think that might be their best bet. Um, a reunion, like any kind of new material, I think I'm with you on. I don't want to hear any new Tony Yayo or any new collective stuff. I mean, I, I think I, I mean Fifty's ability to to make hits and make music is is almost unprecedented. But I, I don't I don't I don't know if I really trust it. Not at all. Um, and so, all right. So, uh, next next piece of news we got uh, we got three more we got to get to. Next piece of news is Joey Badass, uh, the the eighteen year old just turned eighteen year old uh, prodigy in, in the rap game has just been named creative director for Echo Clothing Line. Um, L, start us off. What's your reaction? I mean, I, I think it's cool. I think it's 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 innovative to an extent. I think I think Mark Echo knows exactly what he was doing by by 
trying to brand Joey Badass with Echo and and kind of have him come up and do it. I I mean I think it's cool. I think it's it's something that hasn't necessarily been done where like a brand that isn't like popular as it was. To, like, try to, to try to come back, come back on, on the shoulders of someone that's coming. I, mean, I think that's, that's pretty cool. They did a bunch of stuff with all the power era guys. Um, I mean, I don't I mean, think I don't, it's going to be necessarily anything significant. I don't think that Joe Dennis is going to make Echo the hottest streetwear brand in the game. But I do think it's cool. It's definitely a positive direction for Mark Echo. I mean, Mark Echo obviously isn't hurting. He's got complexes. I'm sure Joey's going to be all over complex as as he is right now, but um, I don't I think don't, it's. I mean, I mean it's something. It's definitely it's something, something to know. It, 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 it's, a, it's a cool thing. I mean, 18 years old, like power too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's. I mean, that's really really cool. But I. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just another thing. <laughs> it's real. It's real. I mean, it's real progressive. Like the you know, oh, a lot of the, a lot of the the pro era. You know, the the pro era Joey Badass's group. Tommy, uh, did you hear about this? What do, what do you think about this? No, he's the he's the creative director for Echo now. So uh, he talked title. I guess I guess you can assume that. Uh, uh, from the title, I guess you can assume that he, you know, he he would just be hands on in terms of uh, creating and and you know making. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, last time I, I mean, I was tired of Michael. Michael did that but I can't I can't hear him for getting his money. To be honest, so I mean, hopefully they they only come up. So I can't I can't I can't knock him for that. Yeah, I, I was I was gonna I was gonna touch on the fact that I wasn't. You know, I, I I don't really keep up with this. I mean, my brother works in fashion, and you know, I know guys guys here are more in touch with the with the fashion sense. But I, I, you know, I hadn't heard anything about Echo up to now. So for me, you know, for them, this has got to be a big move for them. Um, also for Joey, but also for them because you know he's an up and coming rapper. He's a, he's becoming a hip hop um, personality. Uh, so it's, it's got to be big for them. What do you what do you think, Jay? Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's I guess it's I, I see it as good for Mark Echo and okay, I guess for Joey. I mean it's it's kinda like Joey Badass trying to join G Unit and try to make them relevant again. Like that's his job is to make a clothing line that was wasn't even super hot. Like I it wasn't like Echo was flying off the shelf even when they were even when they were like relevant, and uh, I mean, I I think if along with Joey Badass, Echo does a full on makeover of the entire brand, then then it could then it could turn out into something. But I mean, I don't see I don't see where Joey Badass actually benefits from this partnership. I see Mark Echo benefiting. I don't really see Joey Badass benefiting. I don't know if he's the type of figure that could bring them back. I mean, he's from New York and, 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 and you know, maybe people will jump on the wave, but I, 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 I don't see the point of it for Joey Badass unless it's something that he actually wants to do and he was looking for. So um, it's just kind of, kind of pointless for me, for Joey Badass to, to do at this point when he doesn't even have an album out yet. So, um, good for Mark Echo. 
good for Joey Badass at the end of the day. I hope he's making some money off of it. Uh, do I think that Echo will become relevant again because of Joey Badass? No. No, I don't think so at all. Okay. All right, good. Um, all right, so next piece of news from this week. Um, apparently, the dream... Uh, and and last time we we saw the dream, if you guys saw the Grammys, he was on stage getting his Grammy for No Church in the Wild um, for from Watch the Throne, and he was on stage with Jay Z, and uh, Jay Z made a joke about something stupid he was wearing. But um, but apparently the dream has been working with from this is apparently the, the first piece of information we've gotten. Um, from the Dream or anybody about about Jay Z's upcoming music, the Dream apparently claims that he is more gritty, uh, referring to Jay Z. He says that he, he thinks his style and his approach has become even more gritty um, after having his daughter. So uh, I'm going to start with Tommy. What do you think? You agree? You, you, you do believe the Dream? I guess is the question. Yeah, I've always, I've always thought that the Dream is very talented in what he does. Um, he's considered R and B. Would you say? Yeah, he says he has a different sound to him. It's just he he's along he's in that same feel good music category I would put him in. Um, he's made some portraits of the outside music with his female choice. I heard that he ditched Christina Million for some from for some uh, trash bag, but I mean yeah. I can't Do you believe what he said about Jay Z though? Do you do you believe what he said that they that Jay Z is more gritty now? Do you do you believe yeah, after having his daughter. That, that's what the dream has said. That working, he's working on Jay-Z's new album. He said that he's more gritty now. Do you believe him? Of course, man. When when, when you become a father, I believe that had, uh, like, I don't even know the spot, because I haven't had that feeling yet, but just from, from you know, the way my father looks at me, to the few friends that I know that, you know, I've had children. When you become a father, that has that, 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 you know, Okay, what do you think, Al? You agree with you agree with the dream? You good with this? Nah. Nah. Um I think I think Jay lost so much of age that uh, I, I can't necessarily say that he's like gritty. Like, um, no. no. It's, a, it's a strong word. Yeah, it's a strong it is. Word. Though. It is. Though. I think it has, it has some connotations that that may not necessarily be valid. I think that. I mean, Jay Z. Jay Z's gonna come out with another solo album, and it's gonna be just another Jay Z album. I think that. I said everything that he's done, like throughout his career, kind of set him up for where he is now. Or not kind of has set him up for where he is now. But I don't think that there's much more progression to go for Jay Z. I think that. I think that it's it's mostly regression. I think we could say that. I mean, it's safe to say that anything he's made in the last six years hasn't touched anything he's made. Uh, pre black album. So, I mean, I, I feel like the dream saying that makes sense because the dream, the dream's working on the album with him and they wanted to sell and they wanted to be appealing. So, of course, he's going to say, like, oh, yeah, Jay Z's on the other But I don't, I don't think that's the case. I think that, I mean, what he showed up on, what Jay Z did on the throne was, was cool, was very cool, and it was maybe some of the best Jay Z that we've had in the last like six or seven years. But even with that, and that being kind of like the best Jay Z within the last few years, 
still doesn't compare to what he used to do. And I don't think that he's going to be able to get back that energy that he has. He had a certain swag on the track that he doesn't necessarily have now. Like it, it was about like the attack. His attack was back then it was mean and gritty. Now it's more like really smooth it out. I'm in, I'm, a, I'm in the booth with a suit on, you know what I'm saying? I got my cognac out, you know what I'm saying? I'm just sipping real smooth, like, you got the baby monitor on my hip, man. I'm out here. But it's not necessarily, I don't think it's going to be anything crazy. I don't think it. Okay, JR, what do you think? Leave the dream? Um, I just think the word gritty was yeah. a stupid word to use. <laughs> When you're talking about a guy who owns an NBA franchise and now has a daughter with Beyonce. You think, you think Jay-Z is going to go back to talking about flipping bricks and, and, and hammers? You think that's what his raps aren't going to go back to reasonable doubt raps now that he's a father and he owns an NBA franchise? So, like, he's, he's not – gritty would be, a, I just think, is a terrible word to to put as an adjective to what Jay-Z is working on as far as his music goes right now. I think really, really, really a stupid word to use. Um, do I think that he's attacking his music differently now that he's a father? Yeah, he might be writing. His writing might be better as he's been getting older. And his raps might be getting more intricate than they were when he was younger. But as far as gritty, let me finish. As far as gritty is concerned, ah, what 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 what's been gritty about Jay Z's image over the last ten years? There's nothing gritty nothing. about Jay Z anymore. He doesn't. The, the grittiest thing that he does is wear jeans. That's the uh, he wears Jordans. That's as gritty or as hood as Jay Z has been getting over the last couple of years. He he, that is not what he's gonna want to put out, and especially at this point in his career. So, I mean, when you think, like, when I think really rappers, I think of the Meek Mills and dude of that nature. Yeah, that's great. That's, that's that great. Jay-Z is not a he, – he, he's never even really been gritty. He, like, he hasn't really talked that crazy on his song. So I just think the dream and he, he's trying to gas it, and I think he just – I think he fumbled over his words and chose an actual bad word to describe what Jay-Z is doing. Gritty is not a question, though. You think that Jay-Z is a better writer now than he has been? Do you think he writes better songs than he than he did in the past? Well, 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 first, well, first, first of all, let's clear up. He doesn't, he doesn't write, right? I mean, he doesn't write. He doesn't write. I've seen the process. Yeah, I've seen the kind of process. But he recorded that why it was why I love you first on that document. It was just he, kind he, of all over the place. Really, really oh yeah, really oh yeah. So, so let's just get that out first. Though. Well, I mean, do you think Jay Z, reasonable doubt, Jay Z could have jumped on a track with Justin Timberlake and sounded the way he did, the way he jumped on the uh, on the suit and tie record with Justin Timberlake now? No, because of the progression in his music and in in his yeah. sound and in the in the overall like improvement in his writing to be that versatile or in his in his thought process when he lays verses. So I see what you're saying. So, so like, you're you're talking more music theory than it is like actually like um like just bar for bar like yeah, what he's writing. Yeah. You're telling I mean cuz he's, he's been 40. Yeah, he's been in it for so long that like he knows how to uh, attack he he has more of of 
a like an idea about like, all right, I'm on a song with Justin Timberlake, so I got to do this. I'm on a song, song with Yeah Yeah, yeah, yeah I got to do this. this. Like, like he, he knows, knows what he, he has to do more rather than he's writing better about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. okay. I get, I get yeah, yeah, I got that. Yeah, no, I got that. Yeah, that was clarified because I was thinking that too, but I get it. I see where you're coming from. Gritty is definitely not the word to use though. But it's definitely it's it's, it's a perspective he has that, that, that MJ effect. You know uh, how they had the interviews with MJ just looking at the game, looking at LeBron. That's what that's what Jay Z has right now. He has an overall view, a perspective of all of it. And he could he may be able to just I really feel like he has a better he could just put it down in a different way. He can always be able to Okay, that's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up because next week we're gonna do we're gonna do a special segment where we compare basketball players to rappers. Um, for example, we're gonna equate what rappers uh, would equate to to what basketball players. So that should that should become an interesting discussion. Um, last piece of news that I want to get reactions from: Jake Paul did an interview this week, um, and I was talking with Lawrence about this yesterday, where he brought up um, and apparently this has been in the talks for some time now. Um, this was my first time actually really hearing about it, but uh, Lawrence has since told me that this, this has been a rumor for some time, that J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar are, are set to do a collaboration album. Um, so I <laughs> so um, I guess, uh, you know, what are what are your reactions and what are your expectations for something like this? We'll start with Al. I mean, geez. <laughs> I, I think I, I, personally, Kendrick, one of Kendrick's best songs on Hot Hot and we know mm-hmm. that that's him and J. Cole. Like, that, that's the J. Cole beat. And then J. Cole, J. Cole put together and Kendrick on it. It's, it's magic. It's magic. I think that, I think that what Kendrick does in terms of destructive songs and what J. Cole does in terms of just rapping and raw rap could be so crazy. Could be. Cause, cause, because that's... Uh, uh, critique, critique of J. Cole, like a main critique of J. Cole over the last, like, like year or two, was that, that album, album songs song weren't necessarily as great as his rap star. You know what I mean? Where it's like, 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 like he, he, he has the bar, he has the verses, obviously, but he doesn't have, like, the full put-together songs to be able to, like, really, really establish himself, to really, like, say, like, hey, I'm here, you better listen to me. He hasn't been able to put together something like a good kid mad city where it's a collection of fantastic songs like phenomenal songs him and kendrick together is is as scary as watch the throne there yeah there i say watch the throne i think that kendrick and j cole together can make an album maybe better than watch the throne maybe and I and I love Watch the Throne. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we all love Watch the Throne. We all love Jay Z. We all love Kanye. We know what they do. We know what they have done. But what they what Kendrick and J Cole offer right now in terms of just being fresh, they're new faces. They're young guys. I, I believe they're both about twenty four. Uh, they can't. Neither of them can be older than twenty five. So they're all about our age. And I mean, these dudes are dogs. Dude. It, the two of them together. It is. It is scary. Uh, Jay, Jay, you go next. You know, I was gonna address, I was gonna ask the larger question because I, you know, when you talk about collab albums, especially now, you're you're ranking it up against Watch the Throne. So, Jay, your reaction and and what this what this could possibly mean for a comparison to Watch the Throne. 
<laughs> way I can ever say that it it could be better than Watch the Throne, and 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 I say that coming from a person who, when Watch the Throne came out, it was the only thing I listened to, and I just thought that it blew every single other rap album that came out that year out of the water, and that was just my that's just my opinion. But um, I am a huge supporter of J Cole, and I have been for a long time. And I am a huge supporter of Kendrick Lamar. And um, the two of them working together on an album. And I think hearing them go, just go in and out of verses together, it'll be comparable to Kanye and Jay-Z going in and out of verses together like they did on Watch the Throne. So I am, I would be, I would be very, very excited that it was actually, um, Actually came about and 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 happened, and I think it'll be it'll be it'll be comparable to Watch the Throne. I mean, we haven't had it yet, obviously, so we can't we can't say we can't say that it's gonna be better. We can't say that, but I I potential definitely has the potential to be better than Watch the Throne. I think with these type of artists that and rappers and and personalities that we're talking about with Kendrick and J Cole. Could be tremendous. So I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to that for sure. Okay. All right, uh, Tommy, your reactions? Uh, yeah, both rappers I listen to very often. Um, I expect the fact that this is an album that is not I I expect lyrical genius on this because um, you see a guy like Kendrick Lamar, he doesn't. He seems to have to approach that he's not going to put something out. <coughs> what what he wants to sound like, the way he needs to impact, like it's, it's two two young geniuses coming together. I feel like it, it's going to be special. I expect big things. It's like if if um, Jay Z and Kanye with um, LeBron and Wade. This is this is KD and Westbrook coming at you right now. <laughs> A little, 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 uh, yeah, preview. yeah, a little preview. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a good, good. That's that's a good analogy there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, like you guys said so well, I'm 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 of the mindset that this this will easily easily um match up and be comparable. Um, and it's it's a nice dynamic too because you know with Kanye and Jay Z, they're you know they're kind of at their pinnacle, and they they did watch the throne, and it was kind of like. Man, like I mean, we know how how really great. I mean, we know how the great this is going to be. But essentially, you know, Kendrick and J Cole, these are essentially two young guys, still pretty much up and coming. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're established, but they're you know they still have plenty of room to you know develop their legacies and something Which like this. Which makes scarier. And Which something like this, scarier. you know, will really create a platform for them um, going forward for both of their legacies. I mean, that, you know, I guess we, we we can all agree that that that's going to be a very scary project. Um, so um, I do I do want to I do want to go over to uh, our our next dis- discussion topic um, of Mr. Kanye West. Um, as you guys know, he's on tour in Europe right now. Um, as you guys also know, Kim Kardashian is pregnant with his child. And and the, why I bring that up is is and just talking straight music here because you know this is this is the collective we're talking music here. But the but the the, the Kim Kardashian that, that that child growing in her stomach represents a a cloud of worry for me 
Um, and, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna say why. Um, but let me start. You know, Kanye's been going on his his all too familiar rants in London and Amsterdam. Um, in Amsterdam, he went on some rant about how major brands are looking to steal your soul and and calling himself Alexander Wang. And all. I mean, really, and it's sad to say. I mean, it's typical Kanye. I mean, these rants have become have become almost routine, particularly when he's in Europe. I mean, for some reason, when he goes over there, he, he must be smoking the wrong stuff because he's over there. He's over there talk, talking a fool like he always does. But going back to Kim Kardashian, um, uh, and again, the big picture here, um, Ben Westhoff from um, the L.A. Weekly blog um, just a couple weeks ago, Lawrence, I sent you, I sent you the story. He did um, an article for L.A. Weekly about why there is no argument that Kanye West is the greatest of all time, the greatest hip-hop artist of all time. And I want to use the, the, the article as a platform because um, I, I really like the approach that Mr. Westhoff uses because he uses 10, 10 very common, commonly used arguments as to why he wouldn't be the greatest, um, arguments such as, you know, um, uh, such as Jay, you know, Jay-Z is, is better, arguments that, like, Outcast is better, Arguments like, um, you know, criticisms about his album, Tupac. I mean, he he lays out the ten uh, uh, rock him. I mean, he, he he lays out the ten best arguments you could have against Kanye, and and sets up a rebuttal, which I think was just a genius approach. Um, and you know, there's stuff in here. I encourage you guys to read it because I mean, it it, it you know, it it really does make you think. And you guys know I love me some Kanye. And before I before I you know kick it to you guys to see your reactions from this. From this article, um, and if you agree, I just want to say this: um, the 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 support, the alleged track list of Kanye's new upcoming solo album, uh, "Rich Black American," supposedly um, the the picture got leaked, supposedly of, of six or seven songs with features from Frank Ocean, Florence Welch, Beyonce. Um, the song titles make you want it to be true because the titles are very Kanye, and and you almost want it to be true. But I'm, I'm just going to say this very, very quickly, quickly and swiftly before I go to my co-host. I, I do not need Kanye West to fall off and, and, and do something that is un-Kanye. Uh, like, to go back to, to, his, to, his, to his childhood, the, the, that, that thing growing inside of Kim Kardashian presents a worry for me. Because, because and again, you know, he's, he's, he, I'm holding on to the, to the white dress song and I'm holding on to... Um, uh, uh, there's another the, the Diamonds remix the verse he put on Rihanna's Diamond song and, and those verses are Kanye so far there's no reason to believe that he won't be Kanye but I'm, I'm just throwing it out there if this next, this next album better be up to par because this is his this will be his fifth studio album correct um, I, after my beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy which was a classic in its own right Pitchfork gave it a, a perfect 10 I mean that was, that was a phenomenal album to follow up, I don't need a drop off. I need I need either ascension or consistency, um, and so and I just needed to put that out there. So I'm gonna I want to kick it to you guys real quick and get your reactions about uh, about uh, West Hall's contention in this article and uh, Kanye in general. We got we got we're on this topic for about 15 minutes, so uh, so we we got a little bit of time. Uh, L, let's, L, let's go to you first. Give us your reaction. Oh, well, I've, I've kind of held this argument for some time now. I, I came to this conclusion maybe about a year and a half ago, shortly after the Beautiful Dark Twisted came out. And I honestly felt like Kanye was my favorite hip-hop artist of all time. And, and 
it was a good argument. I think that he would be the best. I mean, and, and what, what the guy at the time was arguing was was that it's the total package. The rap, it's production, it's the presentation, it's, it's everything involving Kanye West. And, and I think that you can't you you can't look at hip hop in a big scope and not include Kanye in the talks for greatest of all time. Uh, the, the, one of the guys' arguments was that people would say Biggie, and I, I love I love Biggie. I think that us growing up on the East Coast, we're we're more prone to to gravitate toward Big as, than we are to Tupac. Tupac was one of the greats as well, but I think one of his arguments was Biggie only came up with one album while he was alive, and I mean Kanye has five that are great albums. I mean, you could say what you want about 808s and Heartbreaks, but it was a very good album. It, it was good music. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, I mean, the the the, the Trinity, the first three, the, the, the series of college dropout, late registration, graduation, could possibly be the best series in hip-hop ever. I mean, the the, the progression he made, the, the, the steps that he made, the – the the rawness of college dropout that that got polished a little bit at late registration and was just full on wow by graduation was just, I mean you can't ignore this guy you can't ignore this guy he's made numbers like countless classics countless classics and I think that I think, I that, think that, that the, the, the argument that the guy West off West off the argument that West off made are completely valid. Are completely valid. I mean, this is we are talking about a guy that a lot of people hate because he is part of my French. He is an a hole. He he like he can he can do really really terrible things. Uh, we're, but we're not talking about Kanye as a person. We're talking about him as a hip hop artist. And as a hip hop artist, what he's done is nothing short of great, and he deserves to be called the goat. I sure. I call him my goat. Yeah, another, uh, and I'm glad you brought up that. I mean, more specifically, one of his arguments, of, of kind of the big picture of his argument was the progression, right? I mean, his ability to progress from his content from college exactly. all the way up exactly. to my beautiful dark twisted fantasy and everything in between. Um, so uh, let's, uh, I want to go to Tommy real quick. Tommy, what's your reaction to this article and, and Kanye? Um, my my thing with Kanye is I got to look at him as a person because. I feel like when you look at Kanye, he struggles between his genius and his ego. He has he has his music, and he's transcended transcended a new sound, uh, a new culture of how how things are put out, how it's laid out from production to rap. But then on the other side, he's had this, you know, the the, the Taylor Swift thing, and I think what you were worried about when you said that you worried about that seed is does he does he really does he really want to be with her? Is she is she harnessing? Is she is she inhibiting that genius? Is she only is she going to add to that genius? You know you, you you're worried about that because Kanye he transformed uh, Kim Kardashian who's who's uh, widely looked upon as one of the most beautiful women in the world. He did the same thing with Amber Rose. This is not something new that Kanye has done. He's that. What type of I don't know any other male figure that comes in and changes a female's wardrobe. Like this is the guy that this is the guy that's a genius from from fashion to music to but he's just I feel like he, he, he just wants to be so so appreciated that 
people take that as a detriment because of the things that he does and says. But as far as a musician, you can't take away nothing that he's done, you know. But I feel like that's the other side. His ego. You have to wonder if if, if this this whole thing with Kim is that just uh, that a publicity thing? Is that is that he's really love with her? Uh, yeah, and you know what, you uh, before we get to Jay, I, you hit it right on the head. That is exactly why I'm worried. I don't want his genius to be affected, and I also don't. And, uh, you know, I think he is in this Kim thing for the long haul. I, I mean, for some, I, like, say which I really do, but if for some reason he's not, if for some reason she or he does something that, that tarnishes the relationship, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily need another eight weeks and heartbreak. You know, I, I don't need him to go into depression again and 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 go and do another depression album. I mean, it, it would probably be good because eight weeks was good. It would probably be good, but that's that's not what I want right now. So you're, you're right. That's exactly what I was worried about with with the Kim thing. I just, I need him to be Kanye. I don't need him to be Daddy Daddy Daycare or anything else. Um, so I want to swing it to Jay real quick. Jay, what do you what are you thinking about Kanye? Um. Kanye is is Kanye has been the best rapper in the game for the past I would say five to six years. And the reason why I say that is because he's had the ability to make radio songs without them being radio songs. If you get what I'm saying. Like he's made singles, all of his singles off of these albums. Some of them have been huge radio hits, but they're not Wiz Khalifa, total sellout, total, like, crafted for the radio song. Runaway, as a great yeah. example. Yeah, you know what I mean? toast for Power. the douchebag. Yeah, like, yeah, on the he's, radio. he's made radio songs or songs that can be played on the radio that aren't constructed for the radio. Like, it's very evident that some of these rappers in the game right now are doing. So that, for me, that's where Kanye has separated himself from everybody else. And I think Jay-Z did that. You know, Jay-Z, Jay-Z definitely did that. And Kanye kind of took it to a next level where now these rap songs are mega pop 100 hits, but they're not crafted just for the radio. They're crafted for his target audience still. He's just having everybody else be like, yo, that's so good that I got to listen to it. So, is he the greatest of all time? In my opinion, no. He's not. He's not. And is he going on? Can you make an argument that he's in your top five or top ten? I think easily you can make that argument. I, I And I think um, I haven't been able to read the article, but I know after I read the article, he's probably going to have me thinking more top three. But to say that he's the greatest of all time, I think is a is a is is a bit of a stretch when you think about the people that have paved the way in hip hop. It's relatively feasible, though, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's an argument. I agree that you can present a case for Kanye and have it have to be a pretty strong case. I think, I think you could bring in a case for KG and have it be a very strong case, and then you could get a case for Nas and have it be a very strong case. So um, there's guys out there, there with rap sheets. I'm thinking the JG and the Nas, whose rap sheets are actually still better than Kanye. Kanye still has some work to do. Yeah. 
I, I would I would say so. I was I was gonna I was gonna follow up to you. I mean, did, I was gonna ask do you is, is there not room for him to still make his case? Yeah. If, is, he not, is he not done yet? No, he's, he's not. He's he's not done yet. And hey, he's not. He might be he far from done. This next one is this is his most crucial release. Absolutely, it, it's more crucial than his sophomore album. It, it's more crucial than 808 being accepted. And this album right now for Kanye West and the pressure that he's put on himself for what he's putting out in the media, this is a must. This is a must. This is a must. Especially after the album of Cool Summer. And I think it's a little different when we're talking about Kanye. And... You know, you know, like, like watch, watch the throw and they tomorrow. Album. Not to go Not to back, back, but Kanye's production, production separates separate him from everywhere. Right. So, I think it's more crucial. I think it's just as crucial that we're getting the same class of Kanye production as we're getting the same Kanye or better Kanye content in his actual writing. So, I mean, oh, I mean it, this, this, this is huge, and, 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 and I'll say it again, I don't again, think he's ready, ready for all time, but I, I, I do agree with you guys that it can be a strong strong that he is. What do you guys think? I think it's also important to point out the greatest artist as opposed to the greatest rapper, you know, because that's two different categories. Made that connotation on purpose. I think, I think on purpose he was he made he made that the greatest hip hop artist as opposed to rapper because that 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 is what he was talking about and that and that's really what we're saying. I'm not saying that Kanye is the greatest rapper ever because he may not be, but I, artist. That's a very good point, Tommy. I mean, when you're looking at artists, we're we're looking at the total package, and when you look at everything that hip hop entails. Kanye has done that. No, like I mean, we we've gone out on limbs and said that he's made perfect songs before, like absolutely perfect songs. There's been perfect Kanye songs. I wouldn't say Graduation is almost a perfect album, minus Drunken Hot Girl, but that's a different. Song. <laughs> shout out to Nate. Shout out to my son Black Nate. He hates Drunken Hot Girls. He thinks that he thinks that graduation would have been the end all be all minus drunk and hot girl. <laughs> Shout out to most deaf though. My son most. <laughs> hey, shout out to Charlie Beach just cause. Uh, all day, all day. That's, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. That was a real good discussion um, on Kanye. We're gonna kick it to a commercial real quick, Mike, and then we're gonna talk about. We're gonna come back and talk a little TV and a little film. Going to talk about a new show that I just started and what I'm impressed most about. This is the first time we get to our TV and film segment, so I'm freaking fuck. The classes. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present the Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, the final call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speech with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. 
Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We back, we back with the collective. Um, back in the building. We just finished up our music segment. Um, our music segment, as stated before, um, is is highlighted on and covers loosely the content of our music blog, whatwehear.blogspot.com. Um, you can find our Twitter handle at at the collective fm, um, and you can find us on Facebook. And our collective show blog is thecollectiveradio.blogspot.com. Um, so now for the first time, for the very first time since we started, we are going to take about 12 minutes 
and uh, go into our, our TV and film segment. Um, my my co-hosts know that I love my my shows. Um, I, I'm, I watch I watch probably too much online television on a weekly basis. Um, I am I'm fully engaged in in several shows on on different networks, um, which is why I created um, the blog, which is represented by this segment of the show, Television Cinema dot blogspot dot com. Um, I want to talk about Showtime show Shameless to start off. Um, my co-hosts have actually been um, watching this show already. Um, they are up to speed. I believe it's in its third season right now. Um, I am not completely caught up on it um, as of right now. I'm actually in the middle of the second season. Um, and, but let me just say, from the, I mean, the pilot was probably one of was the best pilot I've ever seen. I think for a show. Um, uh, the, the the setting for Tommy. Have you heard, have you heard about this show at all on Showtime, The Shameless? Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it, what what impresses me. I mean, you're thrown into this environment. It takes place in the projects of Chicago, and um, you have these you have these six kids um, from the main our main character Fiona, who is probably about uh, say 22, maybe 23 years old. Um, and she looks after her five siblings. Um, of all age ranges, I think two are teenagers. The other two are are uh, probably around like nine or ten years old. But you know, just she's got five kids. She she, she takes care of on her own. Her father's a drunk. Um, her father is played by I can't get the actor's name off the top of my head. What's his name? William H. Mason. William H. Mason. Um, you recognize his face. I mean, popular actor, which I think does a phenomenal job with this role. Um, so he's he's a drunken father. There's no mother around. Uh, you've got Fiona raising these kids, and with the pilot, why I was so impressed is I mean they they really throw you into this environment, right? I mean you feel like you're 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 really living out these circumstances with these kids, and I mean the, the entertainment comes with all the little schemes that they do, right? I mean they they uh, you know they're operating an ice cream truck in the neighborhood where they sell snacks and drugs and, and you know they they you know Frank the the drunken father is always trying to make some money move, trying to pick up some insurance or something, and you know it's just it's just chaos, right? I mean it's this this little house, you know Fiona's running around mad, and every episode at least that I've seen at least once there's um, a, a scene where. You know, Fiona's getting the kids ready in the morning, and it's just complete mayhem. I mean, she's you know she's making breakfast, she's she's getting the kids ready for school, she you know, and it's just mayhem. And within it, of course, there's the love story, um, which is which is relevant. But I, you know, I I, I just I'm really impressed because um, like I said, you're thrown into this environment, and and the the number one thing for shows, right, is how you how you resonate with the characters and with these guys. I mean, when they when you relish in their victories, right? I mean, when it, you know it, 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 they they go through these 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 missions and these you know these schemes to to you know whether it's to get money or to you know whether Frank gave away their their baby brother Liam to go get it back from some drug dealers. I mean, and when and when they're victorious, you feel victorious. I mean, you know you feel that way. So, uh, like I said, I'm only up these season two, so I, I need my guys not to ruin it for me. But but you know, Lawrence is actually one of the first person to tell me about the show. Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like I was actually introduced to the show by. Uh, my roommate um, made the clear bowl. But, um, but um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's quite a one of the shows I've ever seen on TV. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's a really cool show. Like, I, I mean, Martin I mean, Martin did a bit more detail. I don't want to go into too much detail because I don't want to spoil it for him. But um, uh, halfway through season three right now, and, I mean, 
it's, it's, it's definitely one of those shows that at the end of every single episode, you're just like, all right, things can't get worse. Like, it's going to get better. And it somehow manages to get worse. And then you, you develop such a, like, fondness to these characters that you have to follow. I actually loosely watched season one. I watched the entire season two, and um six episodes in the season three right now. So I did, I, did, I haven't I seen, seen all of season one. I kind of, I know, like, watched it. Like, 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 always watched watch it, it, and I would just catch it here and there. But um, I, I, I thoroughly invested now in it. It's one of the best shows on TV. I mean, I, I, I like that whole show for a lot. House of Lies, House of Lies, House of Lies, California then Shameless. Or actually Shameless, then House of Lies, then California all three All very three. good shows, but um, no, no. Jason Jason watches Shameless with us too, so he's he's fully he's fully engulfed. And then how do you feel about Shameless? Um, every time I watch it, I just think like this might be every time I watch it, I always think this might be some of the best writing we've seen, possibly since Breaking Bad. It, it's this guy has found a way to keep this group interesting to the not kind of cool, like, like he's kept it at a tremendous level and, and I give him a lot of credit. I mean the actors in all of them play their role to a and it is extremely believable and the writing, the writing is just, it, it blows me away every time I see it. And um, I've, I've just recently gotten to just, you know, watch watch shows and starting to pick up on some of the things that you should appreciate when you watch um, series as, as like a shameless or a Breaking Bad or Weeds. Um, but the writing is shameless and the scenario that the characters are put in and all the all outside factors that come into play that you add in. It's like, who's thinking about this stuff? Who's genius enough to put this on paper and then put it on the screen and have it come to life the way it has? So, you know, kudos to Showtime. I, I, hope, I hope that this is a low point for Shane. I, I want it to be six, seven, seven, eight, long. Uh, uh, because, because it deserves because, because, because the writer of the show has been terrific. And, and, and actually, actually, I mean, I've got some background information on them. Our buddy Nate, he told us on the show. The show was the Buddy C program. Oh, wow. At the beginning. And it's still on. And, you know, it just carried over into, like, the American version. And I'm not familiar at all with the, yeah, 11 seasons, actually. So, you know, this is, this is something that, you know, I think a lot of people, if you enjoy film, you will enjoy the writing in Shameless, and you'll enjoy the characters. You'll fall in love with the characters, and you'll hate, really hate some characters, and, uh, and, and you'll, 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 you'll recognize the greatness of the show and, and where it's going. So, yeah, it, you know, it is, it is something to be said about the writing. And uh, I've got some background info on the writer, Paul Abbott. Um, he's pretty popular. He's 53. But it, it speaks to his, to his own experience because apparently he struggled with bipolar disorder. And he has a long, uh, a long history of family issues himself. Um, uh, he was one of eight children. He was abandoned by both his parents by the time he was 11. 
and he was brought up by his pregnant 16-year-old sister. So it, it you know, it, it, you know, it comes retrospect, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting like that how, um, you know, uh, these writers, and as good as the writing is, to know that it came from an original place. Um, it, 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 it almost doesn't surprise you because it, it feels so real. You know, like you said, you, you, you hate the characters, and it's, and it's so, it's so genuine and raw. I mean, it, you know, there's homosexuality. There's, you know, uh, there, you know, there's drugs. There's, I mean, any any kind of issue that you could think of, um, uh, and, it, and it's all. I mean, it's it's controversial at its nature. At its nature, um, uh, and and you know that that's just what makes it so great. And it's the writing and the, and the casting. I feel like I I think these young these young kids um, are going to find themselves um, finding a lot more work. Um, the, the, all the kids, who, I mean, all of them, I mean, from Lip all the way down to, to Debbie and Carl, I mean, they, they're, they're making a name for themselves with a show like this. And with the kind of successes it's enjoying on Showtime, um, I, would, I would think that, you know, it's, it's going to be a long time coming for this show. Um, I did want to, I want to talk about, uh, I wanted to point to the Americans real quick on FX, which I, I've been begging Lawrence to start. Um, it's, it's aired five episodes so far, and it was just renewed for a second season last week. Um, it struggled at first on the FX network. It's on the 10 o'clock slot on Wednesday nights, which has proven to be, I mean, a 10 o'clock slot for a television show was very difficult. Um, I started watching the show on NBC, Do No Harm, about the, the uh, the brain surgeon with the with a split personality disorder, which actually took place in Philadelphia, um, it was on the ten o'clock slot on Thursday nights and didn't even make it to three episodes. Um, and now whether that's whether that's speaking to the nature of the show itself, which I thought was actually halfway decent, or the time slot is is up for debate. But um, uh, the Americans, um, it's it, you know it's it's you know it's about uh, KGB spies. The the context is is during the time of the Cold War. Um, it's you know it's I, the real reason why I want Lawrence, well, Lawrence is a history major, and you know he he knows his stuff about history. And I was telling someone the other day, it's a I almost need like a reference to kind of kind of get a sense of and the show. And what I appreciate is that the show doesn't try to be too forward about being accurate about historical events. I mean, you know, they don't really go in in depth like that. I mean, they, you know, they've got their their Reagans and stuff filling in as present, but you know, it's focused on the this couple the Americans, you know, uh, and, and their KGB spies and, and how they're infiltrating America. So it's from their perspective. So I, I guess technically, you know, obviously it's a fabrication, but it, it, it almost makes you question, the, yeah, the, the historicity of it. You know, it almost makes you question it because this is, it's based on a context and, and a time period that actually happened, um, which I, which for me really makes me gravitate towards it. And it's, it's enjoying success as a spy drama for FX. And something I actually read is that the creator of the show um, told the writers and the producers, "Give me our homeland." That was the goal, and and actually, Homeland was actually supposed to sign on for FX for their third season, this upcoming season. The issue was with the writer, um, uh, some spies, uh, a woman, a woman writer. I forget her name right now, but uh, she what she wasn't willing to leave the network to go. The FX wanted her to start a different show for their network, and uh, she was quoted as saying, "Only an idiot would leave Homeland right now," and I would have to agree. Um, what's her name? Uh, it says Howard Gordon is the director. For and Alex Gamble. Howard Gordon. For Homeland? Yeah, that's what this is. Oh, maybe this is the. Oh, yeah, Howard Gordon. So you're listed as, as, the, as the writers? Oh, yeah. Uh, so that was five. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, okay, I have, the, yeah, I have the article here that I was that I was looking at. Um, um, FX gave the green light to a new show um, where they were trying to record Meredith Meredith Stein, um, the homeland writer known for penning some of the series' most acclaimed episodes. Um, but and that's the show, um, the bridge on FX, which which uh, Meredith declined to take on because she's going to stick with Homeland. So um, I did want to, you know, I wanted to talk. I know we all are, are avid Homeland watchers, and the way that it ended last season. Um, I, I think it creates a very interesting platform for it going forward, um, and I'm definitely looking forward to that. How much time do we have left? Are we had we got about four minutes. Okay. Um, uh, another a piece of information on the film side, which I, I just read yesterday. You know, um, Jane will appreciate this. Anchorman Two is yeah. starting to um, pick up speed. Um, they, you know, they signed on to do it. I read yesterday. It's an interesting piece of information, especially given that on week one of our show. Um, I went on a little rant about this actress, but apparently Megan Good has signed on to play Will Ferrell's boss in Anchorman 2. Um, and, you know, I, I think I can speculate that that has something to do with her, her lead role in, in her NBC sh- uh, network show, Deception. Um, it's, it's not enjoying great success. I, I, I'm on record as saying it won't go past the first season, but she is in the public eye. So I would think that has something to do with it. Um, so are you Jay? What uh, you, I know you're looking forward to this to the second Anchorman. What are you looking for from it? Um, I was looking for. I, well, I would be looking for them to kind of keep the same formula in the first person. Um, I, I don't see. I didn't see a need for any character changes at all. So like, like the boss of Anchorman was hilarious. So um, I, I just don't think. Um, uh, making good, good as atomic value, value to such a great, great potentially, potentially, you know, second, second installment of Anchorman. Um, um, you know, you know I, hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, uh, uh, I hope Steve Carell is still on it. I hope. I think they've, I, I, from, I think they've, the, the original cast is signed on. Okay, good. Cool. Right. I mean, as long as there are, yeah, as long as making good doesn't do too much talking, I should be all right. <laughs> um, that's good stuff. Um, all right, so we're gonna we're gonna wrap up our show for the day. Um, kind of wrap up our subjects for today. We we recap this crazy week in hoops. Um, we talk about some of the newest um, news in hip hop and music. We talked about Kanye West, and um, thank goodness we got to our TV segment today. Um, next week, like I said before, we'll talk about um, our own. Uh, prepare 